0: always appreciate playing with them. Open your Bibles with this morning food to Luke chapter 12, the gospel of Luke chapter 12. So today we're going to be talking about a faithful stewardship and of crazy, I, you probably know this, I've, I've mentioned it before, I, I plan my sermon six months in advance, so I cannot anticipate the needs of the church or what's going on in the culture. But you know the last couple of weeks we talked about how the church is, this church is going through kind of a financial issue with crisis with our new uh, heating and ventilation system here and so last week we made a, made a plea for any kind of special offerings and I planned this service and this sermon on faithful stewardship more than six months ago when I could not have known it. So I'm, I'm going to blame God on this because stewardship is giving your monies, of course, but it also has to do with your time and how you live your life and those kinds of things. So today we're going to talk about that issue, not just offerings. I always hated those tithing sermons when I was a kid because I knew the preachers were going to be asking for money. So there's still going to be just a little bit of that because stewardship is a much broader issue. Stewardship is really almost the same as discipleship because it, it's how you live. It's how you think about who you are and how you relate to those around you and all those kinds of things. So, I'm going to be talking about today Luke chapter 12. As always, we'll begin with a time of prayer. I want to encourage you to pray for those in our congregation that go through special needs. Several have gone through surgeries and facing difficult circumstances. There are some childcare families that you don't know, but they're going through some very difficult times. One young mama has cancer, and it has spread. Others deal with perennial issues of brokenness and those kinds of things and financial distress. So pray for them if you would. I'll give you a few moments to pray for those and others that you may know of, and then I'll close and we'll look at this passage together. So bow with me, please, as we begin. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence this morning. We gather in faith that you will be with us. We proclaim our faith in you and proclaim to all who would hear. We follow Jesus. We thank you for this salvation you've given us, for a foundation for life that never changes, that continually adapts to our situation. It can encourage us and direct us and is a real source of comfort. Thank you, Father. We thank you for these blessings that we have in this life. We eat and have our fill. and We are safe. And we have so many things that most in this world do not have. Thank you, Father. We pray for an ability and willingness to share our wealth with others. We pray that you would lead those in governmental positions to use policies and our great powers and wealth to help others. We pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in using military strength and making those kinds of decisions. We pray for those that are soldiers, first responders, those that live their lives in service to others, protect them and use them to make a difference in people's lives. And Father this morning we just ask you to speak to us from your word. Help us to learn, but more importantly Show us how we might live differently and give us the ability to do that. Not just as a rule to follow, but as a way of life. When our ways of thinking are wrong, confront us with truth and help us to submit to you. Give us a spirit of repentance and a willingness to follow you. Forgive us, Father, for our sin. We know we are imperfect. We all struggle against our baser desires. Give us mercy and forgiveness when we sin. And help us to rise above ourselves. We pray for those in our congregation, in our childcare, that struggle with life and death issues. We pray for healing and comfort and peace. For those that struggle in just the ability to feed their families and stay in their home. Comfort them and help us as we can to share what you've given us with others. Give us a generous spirit, Father, and a spirit of peace. As always, we pray for our nation, for those who have powers over us. Be with them and guide us in this election year to discern between truth and that which is a lie. We pray that you would give us wisdom and good leaders. Raise up people that can serve you with integrity and peace. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whenever the preacher mentioned stewardship, and I grew up in a traditional church with a very, very Southern, Southern Baptist preacher with a heavy accent, whenever stewardship was said, you knew he was going to talk about offerings. And so I generally dismissed everything he said. I just didn't want to hear it. But today we're gonna have a video that hopefully shows you a better understanding of what stewardship is all about. So, maybe if we can get this playing, it'll be great.
1: Stewardship. A steward is defined as a manager, a treasurer, or one who takes care of the master's business until he returns. When we make the commitment to follow Christ, we become stewards in His Kingdom, managers of the resources that God grants to us. Psalms 24-1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the faithfulness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. When we understand that everything belongs to God, and that we are appointed to manage His resources, ownership ends, and stewardship begins. So what are we actually stewards of? God grants everyone different amounts of resources to use, but we all have the ability to use what we have to enhance the kingdom. There are things like our time, talents, our bodies, the gospel, opportunities, our finances, and much more. Imagine that you store your resources in a bucket. At any time, you can add to and take away for various things. When you get paid or have a day off, you put those resources in your bucket. Perhaps you have to pay some bills or you want to buy someone lunch. Some will have to be taken out. Either way, there is a supply and demand. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, though, a new source comes into play. We no longer own the bucket. We no longer own the resources. We do, however, have access to them and decide how to use them. We are now stewards. Imagine all the amazing things we can do now. Think of all the people we could bless and all the ministries that could flourish. God's love could infiltrate every facet of our lives. Unfortunately, things don't always play out that way. We have a natural tendency to revert back to an ownership viewpoint over these resources that we're blessed with. The common misconception is, I earn this. I deserve this. This is mine. This mindset puts a lid on our bucket. We shut God out. This is the basis of poor stewardship. Now that's not to say that you can't still do great things with what you have, but you have removed God from the system and now have some resources being wasted. We aren't able to fully utilize all of God's blessings. We cannot serve two masters. On the contrary, however, when we remove the lid and submit fully to serving the Lord in every aspect of our lives, the dynamic of stewardship changes drastically. Our God is not a thief. These offerings, tithes, and sacrifices that we give to Him are going to be blessed and used in amazing ways to transform lives for the Kingdom. He uses ordinary people to become extraordinary in a broken world that needs a foundation of love. By offering ourselves completely to His will, we allow the Holy Spirit to work transparently through us in a powerful way. Lives will be changed, miracles will happen, and ultimately broken people can learn that they are sons and daughters of a loving God. We will become great stewards. Our buckets will always be changing. In some cases they will be empty, in others they will overflow. In all cases, God will use us to do incredible things. Stewardship is a choice. Let's choose God.
0: So being a faithful stewardship isn't just giving money. It's part of it. Not even most of it. It's understanding that what you have is gift, The scriptures teach us, for every good gift is from above. I put in my own words, if it's worth having, it is gift from God. So think about that. If it's gift, and someone who loves you and is very important to you, gives you that gift, it's to be appreciated, and you want to use it well, don't you? The way they would want you to use it and those kinds of things. So this is what we're going to talk about today, how God wants us to live our lives as a steward, wants us to be faithful stewards. And indeed, we're going to find out that God calls us to a life of stewardship. So on screen, we have this first idea that we are to live our lives as stewards. So if you would follow along in Luke chapter 12, I'll read verses 35 through 48, kind of a long section. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 35, Jesus talking. Be dressed in readiness, and keep your lamps alight, and be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open their door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve, and have them recline at the table, and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves." And be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed this house to be broken into. You too, be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave... "...whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be gone a long time and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers." And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will shall receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and yet committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. And from one who has been given much shall much be required. And to whom they entrusted much of whom they will ask all the more. So Jesus tells this rather long story about stewards and slaves and those kinds of things. And just a disclaimer, in ancient cultures, slavery was just an economic thing. It was never good, of course. But many people in the crowd that were listening to Jesus were slaves or they had been slaves. In that culture... Unlike ours, it was not a racial thing. Sometimes you sold yourselves into slavery to pay off a debt. At other times, you would allow yourself to be taken into slavery in order to purchase Roman citizenship or to do it for a pay or something like that. And so it was kind of a way of life. And it was always a bad thing, but it was understood that this was just the way the world worked. So when Jesus used the word slave and servant, he wasn't talking about a particular category. He was talking about everybody. Because everybody understood you will serve someone, rich or poor, you will serve someone. I still think of the old Bob Dylan rock song, Bob Dylan the songer, the singer. Remember, he got saved at some point, and the first song he wrote on his Christian album, his one Christian album, Slow Train Coming, was you got to serve somebody. You may serve the devil, or you may serve the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And that's a very Christian perspective You are servant, and you choose whom you will serve. As Christian, as follower of Christ, you have made the choice to follow Jesus as servant. You are not his equal. He is master, and you are to serve him. And that doesn't have any kind of negative connotation at all. Doesn't take away your freedom or anything like that. It, It just gives you a focus. If I want to live my life, I want to live it in a way that when the master returns, I'm ready. And that is the parable, isn't it? The the master is leaving, and he leaves a servant, a steward, in charge of everything. And the goal is, when the master returns, that everything's in good shape. And the threat is, for the servant that does not do his job, he will be thrashed when he comes. In this culture that Jesus addressed... Like I said, many people were slaves, and the steward of a house was almost always a servant. Not always, but usually. A slave, they would sell themselves into this position. Sometimes they would be taken from another culture in a raid or something like that. But a steward was a smart guy. In fact, a steward, a good steward, was one of the smartest people on the block, and everybody knew that. They handled business affairs, they handled investments, they handled... The stocks and the stock market and they made sure that the house was run smoothly. So think of somebody, if you went to a house and it was one of those million dollar homes that you see on TV and the rich guy had somebody running his business, that would be the steward. And that's exactly what Jesus was used in this understanding of steward. So when he talks to you as steward, he says, you are in charge of what I have given you with the implication that everything that you have it's not yours anyway. It is God's. And so your job isn't to handle it like you want to, but the way God wants you to, because it's the master's. You have to be willing to do that and, and handle it accordingly, whether it be your business affairs or your relationships or all those things that you have in your life. If it's worth having, it's gift from God. And don't you want to use it well? Not just for your own good, but for the good of the master who will come and find you. So he wants us to be a good and sensible steward. Look at verse 42 again, still in chapter 12. Look at verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? So he's asking the question, Are you going to be that steward? Because he's got a whole crowd. There's a, there are thousands of people listening. He was speaking specifically to his disciples, a small group, but there were thousands of people around, so says Luke. And they were listening and Jesus was saying to the disciples, this is how I want you to live, but they didn't get it. And then if you remember in one of the passages we just read, a disciple asked Jesus, is this for us or for everybody? And Jesus intended for them to be paying attention and he knew that everybody was listening. So this isn't a message for preachers. This is a message for preachers and everybody else. So if you follow Jesus, you are a steward. You've been given life, relationships, possessions, skills, talents, knowledge, whatever, and opportunities. And God expects you and wants you to be that wise and sensible steward. This is why you can see that it's much like the word discipleship. Discipleship is more of a religious term. When people are being disciples of Jesus, there's the understanding that you're learning from him and following him and doing those things. You can see that stewardship is really almost identical in term, but it conveys more of a responsibility than just discipleship. So when we talk about being a good steward and what that means, there are some things we can understand that come about because we are faithful stewards. So on screen, we have this Understanding that being a faithful steward understands that everything you have is God's, not yours. Most of us struggle with a little bit of selfishness. In other words, we're kind to a point. But you don't want to be too kind because you want to keep things back for yourself. I'm a little guilty of this. I have a selfish streak in me, like most of us. And sometimes when I know I should share... I had this internal battle about whether I'm going to share or not. And I often do not. And I had this opportunity yesterday. And I had smoked up a whole bunch of chicken. And my smoker was full. And uh, my neighbors had come by. They live across the road. And they had driven by in their buggy. And we talked for a little bit. And they, he said something about well, how much about that chicken my mom going to be. What time I need to come over and get my chicken. And he was being funny. And he knew I wasn't going to give him any chicken. I've been his neighbor for seven years. And I've never given him anything. Uh, you know, it's the way it is. He's never given me anything either, so we're even, and that's okay. So anyway, here I was, about three hours later, my chicken was done, and I'd, I'd taken a little bit, and it was really good. I smoke really good chicken, and I had just the right kind of rub on it. It smoked for about three hours. The temperature was right, and I didn't get it dry this time. It was perfect, and I had it all, and I was taking out the last batch, and I had this big mound of chicken. And the way I do it, I freeze it in baggies and then I can eat on it every day for the next three weeks. And that's the way I like it. And no one messes with my chicken and my wife doesn't either. I just, it's mine. I keep your hands off of it. And I was thinking that and then God thumped me in the head, Kev, about that neighbor. Now he is a great neighbor. The best. We talk a little bit. He never messes with my stuff. I never mess with his stuff. We're good friends as far as that goes. Great neighbor. So I, I fussed with this idea of giving him some of my chicken. And it was hard. I mean, I can't eat 15 pounds of chicken very quickly. And I knew, and, you know, through these mental calculations, I've got about three weeks of meals here. But then I realized and God was still thumping me, saying, listen. And I was thinking about this stewardship sermon, of course, that was in my head. I said, okay. So I got a plate out and made them a nice mess of chicken and took it over there. And their dogs just about took it out of my hands, but that's another story. But anyway, I did the right thing that one time. Now, like I said, this has been eight years I've lived next to him. I've never given him any chicken before, so I'm not bragging here. I finally listened to what scriptures were teaching. Now, that chicken was mine. I bought it. I cooked it. I smoked it. I tested. It's good stuff. But then this teaching, if it's worth having... Its gift got stuck in my head. So, this one time, I shared my chicken. Now that seems silly. And I'm really not bragging because most times I don't do it. But I begin to understand that I don't own that chicken. God allowed me to have it. And so the only right thing to do is to give some of it away, isn't it? That's it. If I would have hoarded it like I normally do, No one would have known any better. I'm sure he wouldn't be telling you this story. And it would be just that simple. I would have more chicken to eat. But this time, God was able to get my attention and prick my conscience. And more importantly, make me realize that if I'm willing to share what I have and invest it in this relationship, it may help down the road in some way. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. To understand that what you have in your hands... What you do isn't just yours. It's yours to use. But God intends for you to use it in a way that helps others or brings joy into their lives and things, that kind of thing. And so, what we have to do is try to figure that out. The Bible says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. Even your chicken. Or your monies. Or your time. Or your skills and abilities. My daughters are both really smart and have a lot of abilities. And as a preacher, I was very conscious of my role as father, what I was to do. I knew I couldn't really discipline them that much because with little girls, I never knew how to handle that discipline thing. So Tammy took care of it. And I really wasn't much on manners because I'm not very good at that either. So she, she took care of most of that. But the one thing that I was careful to do was to teach them that whatever thing you have, it's God's. And it turned out as they were in fourth and fifth grade, it was obvious that they both had a lot of talents and were very intelligent. So I began talking to them, listen, you have a gift between your ears. And they did, what? And I said, you know, the mind that you have, the abilities you have to do higher math and the abilities you have to read people and help them and the compassion that you feel towards others those are gifts. I said, God wants you to use those gifts and to develop those gifts and to do something gracious with them. And they learned. And so, you know, I've talked about some of the things my daughters do. They're both in kinds of ministries. And they both work with people who are struggling in life. And they pay the price for that in terms of loss of income, loss of time, and heartaches. But they're doing the right thing. They've learned to give away part of who they are in God's kingdom. This is what Jesus was talking about. The steward deals with something that isn't theirs but they have responsibility for it. It's where you understand that everything that you own really is God's. And then the other one is gifts and responsibilities are accepted. This is where you understand your job is to do your best in God's service. So, regardless of what you can do, if you have intellectual capabilities that other may, others may not have, or musical talent, or whatever, doesn't matter. If you have something like that, understand it is a gift from God and do something with it. Don't just share it among friends, there's nothing wrong with that, but expand your circle of people that you can serve. Understand that whatever you can do, whatever you have, God wants you to use it to reach other people, including your finances. And that's where that negative understanding of stewardship comes in. But God just wants you to understand when you give something away, it's not yours in the first place. God gives it so you can share it. And when you do this, your life begins to change. On screen is this idea that there are blessings for those who practice a faithful stewardship. Again, look at verses 42 and 43. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Blessing means God gives you something in return. It may not be a financial reward, but it's worth it. When Father God wants to bless you, he gives you those things that will make your life better. Sometimes they're very subtle. Sometimes no one will know it but you. But sometimes you will get to know that you've done something that no one gets to do. You've done something that is a -a once-in-a-life opportunity. And um, it's pretty amazing. I've told you about my daughter and her adoption of this Afghani family in the last couple of years. And um, I'm really surprised. And I'll brag on them just a little bit more. Uh, They recently understood that they received their permanent visa. So this Afghani family who escaped, um, you know, when we took Alpha out of there, they came here, they were on a temporary visa, and they lived with daily fear that they would be deported back to Afghanistan where they would be killed, and they knew that. And that was just the deal. And it took tens of thousands of dollars, literally, almost $50,000 in lawyers' fees to make this happen. And it's a messed up system, the way it is. And My kids are at the most expensive phase of their life. They got little kids and house mortgages and school payments and all those kinds of things. But an aging relative had died last year, left them not a fortune but a good sum. They gave it all away for those lawyers so this family could experience this life. So the reward is next week for Super Bowl Sunday we're going to get together and listen to my son and all explain the intricacies of American football to, for people who know football, soccer, know nothing about Chiefs, and they're going to get their fill, and we're going to listen to them. My son will explain it in English to their son who speaks English so they can explain it in Afghani, and this is going to be a layer of complication and aggravation of watching the game, and it's worth it because our family... Is blessed because of this not because we gain anything but because we have been given an opportunity to change someone's life that's blessing you can't buy those things you can only get them in God's way so that's how that works and that's for everybody you may not be able to do something with a foreign family or have a lot of money to give that's really not the point we all have something we can give time relationship compassion we all have abilities develop them and use them doesn't matter what they are and allow God to see you being the good servant when Jesus comes back not just in the future but every day as he looks down on you make sure he finds you doing what he wants you to do make him proud think of that Making him say, that's my kid. The way I do with mine. On screen are some effects of good faithful stewardship. Gifts are used and developed. When you understand that what you've got is gift. And you use it for God. Then you, you end up in places that you never thought. Now, we have the beneficiary of, in our church of people who have done that very thing. With some of our musicians, don't we? Gifted kids. They were kids with a guitar in their hip 30 years ago. Not quite 30 years ago, but almost. Nate's 41 now. He was just a kid in a bar playing a guitar. Never thought, I'm sure, that he would be a music leader in a church. fact is that you don't remember this, Nate, probably, but I was taking guitar lessons from him years ago. He says, And he was playing in a band in a church at the time if you ever hear of a church who need a guitar player or lead music i'd kind of like to try that so it took me another seven or eight years to make it happen but we brought in in nate dean and we've seen him grow and, and we're proud we've invested in him haven't we and we are the recipients of those kinds of blessings you see how how god works just the way with brian who just walked in just a kid who skipped baseball practice for a decade or so. So we could practice piano. And we are the recipients of a guy who developed his gifts and uses them for God's glory. And we are blessed, aren't we? And Brian is blessed and Nate is blessed because they get to get involved in this thing and it has nothing to do with finances or fame. It's just there's that sense that you get to do what God wants you to do. And you got it right. Terry and Kathleen have started, and this, they did this, gosh, 16 years ago. Started giving granola bars to the kids in childcare, just because they felt like they needed to do something. Fast forward, they've established relationships with hundreds of kids and their families, some significant relationships, Just because they invested in themselves. Not in themselves, but in those families by doing what God has led them to do. And every one of you has that story if you've gotten involved in ministry. Sometimes it's raising your own children and doing those kinds of things because that's that's a huge expense, both financially and everything else. It's never wasted when you invest in relationships. It's never wasted when you invest in other people. When you invest in things that allow God to work, you are blessed. No matter how much it cost, And that's one of the blessings that God gives us. Your life is better. I have never, and I would have remembered this, I have never heard anyone complain about following Jesus when they did it right. When they were sacrificial of self. When they gave money. When they gave time. When they got invested in people's lives. And they experienced God's blessings. I've never heard someone say, I'd rather have been watching TV. I've never heard that. And you won't ever say that. If you get involved in God's kingdom and you you follow God's lead and you invest what you've been given in other people, you'll realize you needed to get away from that TV a long time ago. And you don't need the toys. Other things are better. Your life is better and, of course, other people's lives are better. When you invest, God blesses you and God blesses others. See, this is the way stewardship works because you're not just here to follow rules. That's just a small part of it. You're here to live this life where you are a constant blessing to others, where you're, you're trying to figure out, what does God want me to do? And you look around and you observe people where they are. And if you get a chance, you use something that you have to help other people. And that's what stewardship is. And if you look and you find within you an ability or a desire to do something, and if something that God can use, do that. That's what stewardship is. And when you do that, your life is better. Final thoughts on screen is the idea that God calls us, every one of us, to be good stewards. If you follow Jesus... Claim the salvation and the Holy Spirit and and you look forward to to an eternity with the Father, with your family and all those kinds of things. If that's who you are, then you are steward. It's up to you whether you'll be the good and sensible steward that Jesus talked about or you'll be the one that's, that's caught not doing anything. He doesn't really want to threaten us. He just wants to encourage us, don't waste what you've been given We were talking in praise team practice this morning. My mama was a church pianist organist for about 65 years, starting when she was 11 years old. She'd been taking lessons for a few years, and church needed someone, so there was this little girl who could play. That's my mama. And my mama wanted nothing more than for all six of her kids to play piano. Now, guess what we did? We showed her. Not a one of us can play piano. We showed her. We had a great teacher in home. We had a piano in the home. We had a room dedicated to the piano in the home. We showed her. And now we are old people. And it's just way too hard now. It's easier, you see, to develop skills when you're young and your brain's pliant instead of concrete. And you know what I'm talking about. The fingers just don't work like they used to. You see, we lost We had a chance to invest, and we didn't. And every one of us regrets it. We all admit it now that mom's not here to listen to it. We showed her. See how foolish it is to not invest? Whoever you are, whatever God has given you, invest in it and invest it in ministry and and see what God can do. Because I know from experience that God will bless you and other people for it. This following Jesus is an enterprise that involves all who follow Jesus working towards a common goal of the kingdom. Jesus wanted us to remember what it was all about. And this is why he calls us from time to time to get together. He said, when you eat, what I want you to do is remind yourself of how this all came about. We're not Christians because we're good people. We're Christians because we follow the crucified and resurrected Jesus. That's it. Hopefully, we're good people because of that, because we had good parents who whooped us and all those kinds of things. God uses all those things. But we're not nice people who become Christian. We're people who follow Jesus. And as good stewards, God is honored. So we're going to take this meal today. I'm going to ask that the deacons come and get in place. And when we take this meal, it's really very simple. Nothing fancy. Meat and potatoes kind of thing. We take this bread and it symbolizes Christ's flesh and we eat it. And then we drink the wine. It symbolizes Christ's blood. He wanted us to remember what this is all about because it's so easy to move into the thing where it's not special. It's just routine. Whenever you eat, particularly like now, just remind yourself this is something. Jesus wants us to do this. Why don't you stand with me? In this church, it's proclamation of following the resurrected of Christ, but it's also invitation. If you haven't received Jesus as Savior, we want you to. We want you to be part of this family. God wants you to also. Join with me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for an opportunity to serve you for this meal we're about to share. Thank you. Use this to remind us of what this ministry of Christ is all about. Help us to remember that it's all about Jesus and what he wants us to do in our lives for you. Be with us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come forward and get your cup, please? Thank you, Brian. Now, here's a twist. We, we fuss with this plastic thing, I understand. I was informed, though, by one of our deacons that there is a bump on one side, and that side you can peel off really easy, and that will give you access to this wonderful piece of bread. It's supposed to, anyway. <laughs> There we go. So Paul tells the story. He wasn't there at the resurrection, but he heard about it later. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. One of the things that endeared Jesus to the commoners was he wasn't really much for ritual this was just in the course of a regular meal they didn't go to church for this one they just did it at home and that was okay with Jesus so he continues in the same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me It's not a test of faith. It's a proclamation of faith. When you take this meal, you're saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he came back from the dead. That whole old story, pre-scientific, ah historical, one of those things, is just one of those events that happened. And we believe it. And it allows us to know the one God. It changes us. and amen. Nate's going to lead us into closing hymn today. Nate? Please stand and we'll sing together. A kid in a bar playing a guitar. Never thought, I'm sure, that he would be a, a music leader in a church. fact is that you don't remember this, Nate, probably, but I was taking guitar lessons from him years ago. He says, Kev... And he was playing in a band in a church at the time. If you ever hear of a church who need a guitar player or lead music, I'd kind of like to try that. So, it took me another seven or eight years to make it happen. But we brought in in Dean, and we've seen him grow. And and we're proud. We've invested in him, haven't we? And we are the recipients of those kinds of blessings. You see how, how God works. Just the way with Brian who just walked in. Just a kid who skipped baseball practice for a decade or so so we could practice piano and we are the recipients of a guy Who developed his gifts and uses them for God's glory and we are blessed aren't we and Brian is blessed and Nate is blessed Because they get to get involved in this thing and it has nothing to do with finances or fame It's just there's that sense that you get to do what God wants you to do and you got it right Terry and Kathleen have started, and this they did this, gosh, sixteen years ago, started giving granola bars to the kids in childcare. Just because they felt like they needed to do something. Fast forward, they've established relationships with hundreds of kids and their families, some significant relationships. Just because they invested in themselves. Not in themselves, but in those families by doing what God has led them to do. And every one of you has that story if you've gotten involved in ministry. Sometimes it's raising your own children and doing those kinds of things because that's that's a huge expense, both financially and everything else. It's never wasted when you invest in relationships. It's never wasted when you invest in other people. When you invest in things that allow God to work, you are blessed. No matter how much it cost, And that's one of the blessings that God gives us. Your life is better. I have never, and I would have remembered this, I have never heard anyone complain about following Jesus when they did it right. When they were sacrificial of self. When they gave money. When they gave time. When they got invested in people's lives. And they experienced God's blessings. I've never heard someone say, I'd rather have been watching TV. I've never heard that. And you won't ever say that. If you get involved in God's kingdom and you you follow God's lead and you invest what you've been given in other people, you'll realize you needed to get away from that TV a long time ago. And you don't need the toys. Other things are better. Your life is better and, of course, other people's lives are better. When you invest, God blesses you and God blesses others. See, this is the way stewardship works because you're not just here to follow rules. That's just a small part of it. You're here to live this life where you are a constant blessing to others, where you're, you're trying to figure out, what does God want me to do? And you look around and you observe people where they are. And if you get a chance, you use something that you have to help other people. And that's what stewardship is. And if you look and you find within you an ability or a desire to do something, and if something that God can use, do that. That's what stewardship is. And when you do that, your life is better. Final thoughts on screen is the idea that God calls us, every one of us, to be good stewards. If you follow Jesus claim the salvation and the Holy Spirit and, and you look forward to, to an eternity with the Father, with your family and all those kinds of things, if that's who you are, then you are steward. It's up to you whether you'll be the good and sensible steward that Jesus talked about or you'll be the one that's, that's caught not doing anything. He doesn't really want to threaten us. He just wants to encourage us, don't waste what you've been given We were talking in praise team practice this morning. My mama was a church pianist organist for about 65 years, starting when she was 11 years old. She'd been taking lessons for a few years and church needed someone, so there was this little girl who could play. That's my mama. And my mama wanted nothing more than for all six of her kids to play piano. Now, guess what we did? We showed her. Not a one of us can play piano. We showed her. We had a great teacher in home. We had a piano in the home. We had a room dedicated to the piano in the home. We showed her. And now we are old people. And it's just way too hard now. It's easier, you see, to develop skills when you're young and your brain's pliant, instead of concrete. And you know what I'm talking about. The fingers just don't work like they used to. You see, we lost... We had a chance to invest, and we didn't. And every one of us regrets it. We all admit it now that mom's not here to listen to it. We showed her. See how foolish it is to not invest? Whoever you are, whatever God has given you, invest in it and invest it in ministry and and see what God can do. Because I know from experience that God will bless you and other people for it. This following Jesus is an enterprise that involves all who follow Jesus working towards a common goal of the kingdom. Jesus wanted us to remember what it was all about. And this is why he calls us from time to time to get together. He said, when you eat, what I want you to do is remind yourself of how this all came about. We're not Christians because we're good people. We're Christians because we follow the crucified and resurrected Jesus. That's it. Hopefully, we're good people because of that, because we had good parents who whooped us and all those kinds of things. God uses all those things. But we're not nice people who become Christian. We're people who follow Jesus. And as good stewards, God is honored. So we're going to take this meal today. I'm going to ask that the deacons come and get in place. And when we take this meal, it's really very simple. Nothing fancy. Meat and potatoes kind of thing. We take this bread and it symbolizes Christ's flesh. And we eat it. And then we drink the wine. It symbolizes Christ's blood. He wanted us to remember what this is all about because it's so easy to move into the thing where it's not special. It's just routine. Whenever you eat, particularly like now, just remind yourself this is something. Jesus wants us to do this. Why don't you stand with me? In this church, it's proclamation of following the resurrected Christ, but it's also invitation. If you haven't received Jesus as Savior, we want you to. We want you to be part of this family. God wants you to also. Join with me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for an opportunity to serve you for this meal we're about to share. Thank you. Use this to remind us of what this ministry of Christ is all about. Help us to remember that it's all about Jesus and what he wants us to do in our lives for you. Be with us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come forward and get your cup, please? So Paul tells the story. He wasn't there at the resurrection, but he heard about it later. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke in and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. One of the things that endeared Jesus to the commoners was, he wasn't really much for ritual. This was just in the course of a regular meal. They didn't go to church for this one. They just did it at home. And that was okay with Jesus. So he continues. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's not a test of faith. It's a proclamation of faith. When you take this meal, you're saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he came back from the dead. That whole old story, pre-scientific, ah historical, one of those things, is just one of those events that happened. And we believe it. And it allows us to know the one God it changes us. And amen. Nate's going to lead us in a closing hymn today. Nate? Please stand and we'll sing together. please father help us to show your love by following christ's example in each of our lives in jesus name we pray amen